This is React Podcast. I'm Chantastic. Today we have a crazy special set of episodes for you where we sit down with Kyle Shevlin. I wanted to get Kyle on the show to talk about career. The first part of this conversation talks about the early phases of your career, how to break into web development, the important parts of finding your tribe, your community, learning from them, and also sharing what you know. We talk about how to grow as a dev and some of the differences that you can expect between agency work and product work. This is a perfect episode if you are looking to develop yourself in the early stages of your career, or you just want to hear from Kyle because he's an awesome dude. And next week, we'll take a look at what it looks like to develop yourself in the later phases of your career, where you're already established and you're looking for the next big thing. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you, both parts of it. When something catches your ears, just visit reactpodcast.com for show notes. This is episode 38. This week's episode is sponsored by Linode. Instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud. Get a server running in seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Now offering dedicated CPU instances designed for consistent, high-performance computing needs like video encoding, game servers, and busy application servers. Now, let me tell you about something that I like to use Linode for. I've had an obsession with doing the most amount of work on the smallest, coolest device I can find, and the iPad Pro is totally it. Unfortunately, you can't do web development on it out of the box, and this is where Linode comes in. I've set up a Linode server so that I can use my iPad Pro, and it is perfect for my open source work, where I can merge a branch, rerun tests, tag and cut a new release, and send it all to NPM. If you want to give this setup a try, I will link a tutorial in the show notes. And uh, Linode has something for you too. If you visit linode.com slash react and use the code react 2019, you will get a $20 credit. So if you want to travel light and do more work in the cloud, visit linode.com slash react today. Kyle, it is so good to have you on the show. How are you? How are you doing? I'm doing well, Michael. Thank you so much for inviting me onto this podcast. Uh, feels like we're trading places today. Uh, you've been on mine. Now I get to be on yours. Really excited <laughs> about it. It does. You were very gracious to have me on yours. Um, your show is called Second Career Devs. Yeah. Uh, how did that get started? Yeah. So back in 2017. Honestly, Front End Happy Hour started, that podcast started happening, and I got to know some of the people there. I got to know Ryan and Jem and Brian Holt and a few of them who are doing the show. And I was like, you know, I would really like to do a podcast. I have some ideas. And eventually, I started to realize that the thing I could do was second career devs. And why? Because I had changed careers, and people people tend to resonate for some reason with that story. They're like, oh, wow, you changed from being a pastor to a programmer. How did, how did that happen? That makes no sense to me. <laughs> I would be like, oh, no, there's lots of things that connect the two careers. And I would start to explain it. And then I realized, you know what? There's probably dozens, maybe hundreds of other people who have yeah. similar transitions and have similar like lessons to share. And that's the key to me. Find people who have lessons that they could have only learned through that alternative path to what they're doing now. What are some of the standouts for you, the connections that you would have never thought 
in a million years would have been so profound as you switched mm. careers? For myself, uh, I think for me, uh, some of those lessons are definitely like managerial people oriented. Uh, when I was a pastor, you know, I went in thinking being theologically astute was really the thing I needed. I loved studying and breaking things down and, and doing the analysis. And that really serves me well in my day-to-day -day work. But what also I didn't expect, and I learned the hard way both as a pastor and I still continue to learn today are things like people are really challenging. People are <laughs> difficult to um, organize, to convince, to motivate. And I learned a lot of lessons that during that time as a pastor, um, I think some of the best pastors I know really aren't that theologically or academically oriented. They're very uh, community and uh, support oriented. And that's very important. Yeah. And for me, it took me realizing like I had to really actively work on my empathy. And, uh, you know, that's something I still use today because I need to actively use my empathy, not only with um, reacting and, and interacting with people on, say, Twitter, but also in the communities I am forming. And, you know, at large, I think it served me very well in my career and will continue to do so to actively work on those things. I think it's really interesting that you you mention empathy, because that is something that really stands out to me about you uh, in your your the conversations that you start online and mm. the th the way that you teach, um, there seems to be a lot of care, um, a lot of interest in helping people get from one place to another. Yeah, uh, especially with second career devs. Um, I mean, just that idea that you know we're going to use these stories that other people have had to help bolster you up as you kind of make that transition for yourself um, from you know from whatever career you're in now into this uh, this web development career. Um, what would you say drives that empathy for you in all of these ways that you're helping developers? I can kind of think of two ways. It's it's really interesting to hear you and lots of people describe me as empathetic because <laughs> I actually don't think of myself as very empathetic naturally. Uh, I really, I do mean it when I say like I actively work on it. I actively try and uh, consider uh a full point of view or someone else's point of view or like, you know, we've all been there on Twitter where someone says, you know, a shit post of this. And I, I really try hard to like find the right nuance and balance. And uh, I think because I'm so focused on myself, uh, increasing the amount I have, it, it becomes natural to try and teach and discuss and act with people in that way, because it's a reinforcement mechanism, right? But another part of that is like, you know, I, to be frank, I I wasn't very supported by like my parents growing up. They had a lot of problems. Uh, as an adult, I can look back and I can understand now the challenges they faced as people hmm. that like as a child, there's no way to know. You just think your parents are shitty or something like that. And then you realize, <laughs> no, they just have a lot of problems. And, you know, I didn't have maybe the support I really wanted there. I had a teacher in, um, in college, uh, no, excuse me, grad school, a professor who said like at some point, we have to grieve the loss of not having a better past. Mm. And I think when I finally realized, like, I can't make that change, but I can do those things for other people. Uh, I can I can understand what it's like to try and change a career without really maybe parental support. Maybe uh, I did have a wonderful wife who supported me. Um, but, mm -hmm. you know, like, I can get that. I can understand that challenge and that struggle because there are parts of my life that have done it. So... I think maybe the thing I can contribute back to the community is that kind of level of support. 
I don't look at myself as ever being someone who maybe is a kick-ass open source developer or super prolific at putting out blog content or all these things, right? Like I look for the way that I can make an impact on the community around me and the community online. And the way I can make that impact is, you know, I can show some thoughtfulness. I can show some care and I can, you know, I can support people who, who need it. Like everyone needs a cheerleader in their back corner. Yeah. Uh, I definitely wish I had a few more, you know, and I'm not saying <laughs> I don't, but like, that's what I always want. I want someone affirming me and building me up. So I'm out there trying to do that for other people. That's awesome. It's interesting that kind of you've built this, um, You've built up these communities, built up these these networks and and things uh, to be able to provide people with something that you did not have. Mm. Um, have you been able to since find that, or is it kind of like a little bit of a lonely place where you're at, or is it like just totally satisfying now that you can offer that to to other people? I know that's three options, kind of leading you a little bit, I guess. No, no, no. I think it's a I think it's a mix. You know, like you know, I think to some degree, I'll always feel like. You know, I don't know about everyone else out there. This is getting really personal, but like, I think sometimes the the, the challenges we face as as maybe kids in our developmental years, they never really leave. Like, yeah, you may overcome them in ways, but you still are that person. You know, um, uh, believe it or not, I really struggled a lot with people and with community and that kind of thing growing up, and so I think I'm always going to be driven uh, for those things in pursuit of them. And there's definitely a lot of satisfaction that comes from achieving them. Uh, for example, if people follow me on Twitter, uh, me and Jason Langsdorf recently started this very unofficial gathering in the town of Portland where we're just getting people together to get some drinks, but mostly just to get to know one another. Mm. And that to me is like deeply satisfying because it's community building. It's not just us all talking about tech. We talk about <laughs> all sorts of things. And, you know, it's not just showing up to watch someone give a speech, whether that's like mm -hmm. an actual meetup or, you know, for example, church. Church, a lot of times, is just showing up to watch someone talk. But no, yeah. you know, we get 20, 30 people together and they're all talking. And that brings a lot of joy to me. And then I guess, you know, I just really do want to contribute back when, when, you, when, when you think about the gift that I've been given of, about being able to learn web development and software engineering and make a change and like really drastically improve my life through this. It, it makes me realize like I didn't, I didn't do it alone. Sure. I taught myself a lot, but you know, there's blog posts, there's, there's authors, there's tutorials, there's all these things. I didn't do it alone. Um, so what can I do to be like a similar person for someone else? You know, yeah. uh, maybe something I can share or an experience I can share will be supportive and useful and you know a way of learning for another person i don't know yeah that's that resonates so much with me i remember being in that same same position i had i had kind of taught myself i'm like doing the air quotes thing but yeah i had taught myself but i got into a point where i was actually like making the kind of money that i'd i'd hoped to be, to be making and um finally starting to realize my career as a web developer and realizing man like in particular, like Jeffrey Way mm. played a huge role in my ability to do this this job. And he was just putting content out there for free for me to catch and then make a career out of it, which is amazing. Right, right. And um, I, I started to realize like, oh, man, I have that same responsibility. You know, even if I don't necessarily have a plan on how to like monetize it or like whatever, <laughs> I have that same responsibility to share 
uh, to pay it forward, right? Right. To, to just throw it out there. And maybe maybe it feels like nothing's happening, but like those secret views might actually be helping someone like launch into their career. And that's a, that's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, recently, uh, a friend of mine, Eli, sent out a, a tweet where he was like, I learned stuff from your egghead course that I've been doing this for years and I didn't know. And I was like, <laughs> he's like, he said something specific. I could probably find that tweet, but he, he increased the performance of something like 300% based <laughs> on just getting the right data structure in place. And I was like, wow. Uh, I was like, I just made a drastic improvement to Mapbox and I don't even work there, you know? And yeah, it was mind blowing. Like the level of, um, of impact we can maybe have in this world, uh, can't always be described in just like lines of code at your workplace or in um, the time you, the hours put into a feature at work because, you know, the things we're doing, like giving talks or podcasts or tutorials or those things, they can have a long tail effect that you'll just never know, but it's there and it's helpful. So tell me, once you had kind of started to develop into your career, you're feeling a little bit more confident in your, your work. Um, what was that progression into, what did that progression look like into starting to uh, teach? Um, you said you're doing some egghead courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you've given a lot of great talks. Um, what did, what kind of switched in you? Or was that always something that you believed in? Like, as I learn, I'm going to teach. Oh, for sure not. Uh, that was not something that was like at the forefront of my mind. I mean, even today when I teach people things, I uh, guarantee in the back of my head somewhere I'm like, I'm a fraud. I'm an imposter. But <laughs> but the only way you you like you verify and you solidify the things you know is to try and teach them, to get that um, you know uh, iron sharpening iron action going on where where someone will correct you and you make adjustments. But uh, my career progression kind of worked as um, I was a youth pastor and a worship pastor in my younger years, uh, in my early twenties. And eventually I went on to seminary and I earned a master's of theology with the intention of being a lead pastor somewhere. But through the process of my education, my theology became more and more progressive to the point where it was very difficult to get hired anywhere. Uh, uh, Conservative churches have much more money than progressive ones. And um, it's a good thing now because I've moved so progressively as to... I call myself an agnostic Christian humanist now. And if you really need me to unpack that, you need to buy me a beer. That's the rule. (laughs) But uh, I got lucky that during uh, like my time in seminary, I've written about this before. I'll give you the blog post link for your show notes. But uh, I got lucky in that I was doing music and I needed websites built, but I couldn't afford anything. And so I stumbled on Code Academy and I started to teach myself how to code. And you know, I graduate from seminary like a year later. I'm coding every day just for fun. I never intended to even make a career out of it. And my wife and I move up here to Portland. I'm still trying to find a job and I can't. Someone looks at the stuff that I've been building, like a, a dev I just met, I, I just made an acquaintance with. And he goes, Kyle, you're good enough to go get a job. Go get a job. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I, I didn't even know this was like a thing. Like, you know, like everyone else at the time, I thought I needed like a CS background and all this stuff. I didn't even know CS was the right abbreviation at the time. We'll put it that way, you know, right? <laughs> Two months later, I land my first job and I get a job at an agency in town called Fine, F-I-N-E. And they're a, they're like a brand design agency. We would build brand sites for companies. And uh, I really got to cut my chops there. Uh, 
I was on 80 different projects that first year. Holy cow. Yeah, doing lots of like legacy updates or um, bug fixes, lots of random little things. Not really like focused on one big feature or big project or anything like that. It was just like, we need you to fix all the things. And I think that really helped me learn how to uh, debug things pretty well. It, It gave me a lot of practice in reading different code. Uh, you know, I was reading like PHP and Ruby and jQuery and CSS and SAS and all these. And just like, it gave me a good start. And uh, about two years in, I realized like, uh, I would really like to move into JavaScript. At that point in my life, I was I was using the jQuery crutch for everything. And, you know, I was kind of <laughs> seeing the writing on the wall that there's a lot of things going on in JavaScript. I'd like to just go do that. And uh, naively, I thought I could just change. I thought I could literally like, hey, I've got a job now in, in web development. I'm going <laughs> to easily get that next job. Um, not realizing, hey, there's people who have been doing full-time JavaScript for years, mm-hmm. not not jQuery, actual JavaScript, you know, and um, I'm not trying to knock jQuery. It was a an amazing blessing to have uh, cross-browser compatibility, but yeah. to me it was a crutch because I wasn't learning the actual language and I wasn't learning the APIs of the language. Um, and so I eventually landed at an interactive design company where uh, I was I was fortunately or unfortunately, depending on perspective, uh, <laughs> the only front-end dev in the company. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I, I interviewed with their engineering team, but... I didn't realize their engineering team meant like we have a mechanical engineer. We have one <laughs> one uh, software engineer who only works in uh, like WebGL or OpenGL or, or things like that. He was a visual engineer, basically. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't vet them well in that way. Uh, and when I got to the job and I'm the only front end dev, uh, I had nowhere to turn to ask for help or to. Uh, learn from people on the job and I'm like two years in I wanted I want to learn I want to learn from someone so that pushed me into react to flux because I had started bringing react into the stack of the projects I was doing and uh, you got to get answers somewhere so I went on react to flux and that's kind of where this whole thing starts about getting known and maybe the react community Mm -hmm. um, getting known on Twitter it was it was legitimately because I didn't have the the answers I needed at work. So where do I go? I go online. That's yeah. where you got to go to get those answers. And so that was like, I want to say 2016. And um, yeah, I just, uh, on Reactiflux, I started a channel. Uh, one day I noticed people were in the jobs channel constantly asking questions like, how do I negotiate salary? How do I yeah. do this? How do I do that? And they were like, every day the moderators were like, jobs is just for job posting. Stop it. <laughs> um, th- the moderators who might be listening to this, they they didn't actually act that way. They're very nice people. Some of my good friends actually. But but I realized, I'm like, hey, can we just make a jobs advice channel? Yeah. And uh, I championed it. I championed it for probably a good year before I, I just got too busy to really stick around and continue to support that community. But by then, they had some really great people doing it. And it's still awesome. Still a thriving channel there. And uh, But that that's kind of what, what pushed me to realize, like, my contribution to the community at large will probably not be just by code. Yeah. It'll probably be by combining... Uh, knowledge I have from, you know, my previous career, from changing careers. And, you know, that's something I can give back to 
everyone without any fear either because i can just say this is my experience you take from it what you will there's no spec Mm -hmm. on like on life like no one's going to correct me and say no 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 it says this in paragraph three article four or something like that right like it's just me sharing my experience you know i think that's very interesting because so much there is the work side of it i think that a lot of developers or people transitioning into web development tend to hyper focus on the work and we think mm-hmm. like oh we don't i don't know enough i need to find out these answers and then i'll be like this like super dev or whatever but on that same track there's all this career stuff that a lot of us might be navigating for the first time mm-hmm. and I, I mean i know that like for the first i don't know four years five years of my career i was like totally underpaid for the market just because <laughs> i had like i didn't know shit yeah and having communities like that and having a voice like yours that's totally open like an open book is is so important for uh, our industry and the people who are in it to be able to live well i guess instead of constantly wondering like yeah am i getting paid enough is this the right career trajectory for me you know etc etc um have you been able to mentor people or is this mostly or is kind of your public persona your your gift of mentorship to the, <laughs> <laughs> the internet. I think to some degree, I've tried to mentor a few individuals here in town, mm-hmm. um, uh, specifically some code school attendees or students and grads and trying to help them get into their first job. And I always try and help, but um, I think the big challenge with mentorship is that it doesn't scale. Yeah, uh, I only have so much time that I can offer to people And uh, I get asked on Twitter all the time, like, hey, can you mentor me in JavaScript? Hey, can you mentor me in (laughs) React? And even some people who are very kind and nice enough to offer to, like, pay me, it's just not a a thing that I actually think scales well. And I just have so many other things that, you know, I want to do with my life. Um, And it sounds really selfish, but I only have one life, you know. And so um, I really try and guard against my personal time and devote it in ways that I think to some degree, maximize its its utility. Uh, not everything should be uh, like monetized or, or useful in that way. Do some things for joy, people. But uh, <laughs> but I think having the conversations I have on Twitter, uh, being open is an easy way for me to reach a lot more people than like getting than than meeting the same person for coffee, say for like six months or something like that. If people are kind of in the middle or later part of their career and they want to be helpful to, you know, the new guard or people transitioning careers, uh, what are a couple ways that they could, without formal mentorship, uh, be more available uh, to the people at their companies mm. um, or people in, in, in the industry uh, looking for that next step, that leg up? That's a really great question. I think The way I've approached it is like I use blogging and I use Twitter as a way to share my voice wider than it would be on its own. Mm. You know, I have a pretty loud voice when I want to, but it can only it can only go so far. Um, And it also adds that that asynchronous aspect where people can get to me on their time. So I think the things I would push people to do is like, uh, you know, write more, uh, say more. And I don't mean that in like you know, you just need to be more productive. I mean it in like words have a, a a longevity on certain platforms that they don't have on other platforms, right? Um, if you're just talking to your friend, then you two both learn from that. But if you write something and share it with your friend and your friend shares it with others, there's a long tail 
that occurs w- with those kinds of things. And and sometimes it, it just takes time to build up the trust and to build up the momentum to really reach maybe the amount of people you want. Um, only a few of us are really lucky to like maybe make a tweet that goes viral or, you know, make a library that uh, leads to having 180,000 million bazillion <laughs> people following you, right? And I think, I think you just got to focus on, um, on your tribe. Uh, one of the most impactful books I ever read was Tribes by Seth Godin. Mm-hmm. And I read that even when I was a pastor. And it really made me understand, like, you focus on the people that resonate with your message. Yeah. You know, and you amplify that message and you amplify those people. And, you know, that works uh, for all sorts of things, both positive and negative. It's why we end up with crazy hate groups because tribes create this reinforcing resonating mechanism, right? This feedback loop. You know, it's also why we have really great things in the world too, you know, and that's what I'm trying to do, trying to find those people that resonate with what I'm saying. How can I build them up and how can we help each other? Mm. It seems like there's a level of confidence that you have to kind of develop in yourself to, in order to share that, share your story and realize that Mm. it might resonate with people. For sure. Uh, I think it's some some part confidence. Uh, I've never lacked for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've been called cocky and arrogant a few times in my life, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I've never I've never felt a shortage of the courage or the self esteem uh, to be able to speak my own mind or to participate publicly. Um, it's kind of why I enjoy public speaking. Is you know, most people when they have to public speak they get all afraid they're like oh my gosh everyone has to listen to me and i'm like (laughs) all these people have to listen to me you know you got to flip it on its head so i that's my choice i i choose to flip it on its head and and take on life that way but but the other reason i'm so open michael and why i'm candid about so many things is it actually reduces the amount of choices i have to make Mm. When when you have to think a lot about like what is the exact right tactful polite way to say something to another person. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have any thought about your audience and who you're talking to. I do. But by choosing my default as being honest, by my default as being candid, uh, I reduce the amount of choices I have to make. And I make it easier to understand how to respond to people because I didn't hide a subtlety. I didn't hide a nuance in what I was saying. Yeah. that's going to trip me up later or someone's going to get confused on. Um, so it's a way of reducing ambiguity and communication. And I actually do think about it at that level. Um, most people probably just see it as like, man, Kyle's shooting his mouth off again. But, you know, <laughs> there is some there is some logic behind it. So I want to go back just a little bit and ask you two questions okay. about um, kind of like work balance and then work style. Mm. Um, the first one is you mentioned doing um, agency work right as you got into your career. Mm-hmm. Um, and have you done product work as well? Yeah, uh, I did some product work while I worked at Fastly. And uh, by the time this releases, I may or may not have started my new job at Webflow, which is also product work. Awesome. Awesome. What are the big uh, kind of differences or things that you could expect joining a company that is an agency or a product team? For sure. Um, So an agency, you know, their model is often 
we derive our economic value by having many clients and putting out projects quickly. And in fact, it might be like very similar projects over and over and over again. The agency I worked at eventually created their own like CMS generator and they open sourced it because we were just pumping out these CMSs every 10 weeks, fully Mm -hmm. custom for our clients. And you get to learn a lot of skills. You'll try, you get to try on a lot of different hats, maybe on different projects because they change all the time. But there might be organizational structures that are very different than at least what I've experienced by also working in the product world. Uh, When I moved to the product world, I literally didn't know what like daily standup was. I didn't know what agile (laughs) was. I had to learn Jira because before that I've been using Redmine and, you know, uh, all these things. There was a whole new world to me, this new vernacular of how things are done, but also in product world, Um, and I think you and I could actually probably talk at length about this is, uh, there's a difference in like the speed you're going to work at and the caution you need to have about making big changes, especially big technological changes on an old, or at least a, a code base that's making you a shit ton of money. Right. Like, um, I think that's something I definitely didn't really appreciate, uh, just even a few years ago. Uh, like I can be really idealistic and I feel myself as I age a little bit getting just slightly more pragmatic. And it's, it's really helpful to realize like (laughs) there's tons of money invested in a code base, not just in engineering time, but in literal, like this brings the money into the company. And that, that's, that's such a difference than the agency world where like the money comes in by getting the project done and out like as fast as you can. Yeah. And so the other the other big difference, and I, I ain't even going to lie, though, the big difference is the amount of money you make, right? Um, I, I definitely make a lot more money w- when I made the switch from like agency world to uh, product world. And, uh, you know, it was mind blowing. You mentioned it like you felt underpaid. Like I thought I was doing fine. And then I realized I've got friends who are basically doing the same kind of work just for one focused thing, making like. 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 grand more than me. And, <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah, so I'm not going to lie. It definitely pushed me to want to move into that world. Who doesn't want a few extra bucks in their pocket? Yep. They certainly helped me pay my bills. And um, I think the big challenge for me, though, was trying to make that transition because there ends up being a stigma for agency work that I think is kind of unfortunate. It, it shouldn't really be there. But, you know, like I just took the job that was offered to me. I didn't know at the start of my career, how taking that job would make certain challenges like in the future. And, you know, if you're telling someone to try and change their career, like, and, and you want to steer them down the right path. Well, like at that point in their life, like they don't know enough to even know like what path is the right path. Right. And it's really unfortunate that, you know, we have those stigmas sometimes with people. Yeah, I totally agree. Now during the last, when did you start your uh, Twitch channel? I started streaming, I think, a l- about a year ago. About a year ago, and what was the uh, what was the impetus for that? <laughs> the impetus for that is uh, I'm an extrovert who happens to also program. <laughs> um, no, I it's very true. I'm an extrovert. I'm very extroverted, and you know, I just want to be clear. Like, I think a lot of people think extroversion and introversion have to do with people interaction. No, it's about energy. And I was finding that um, I would want to work on my side projects or these side ideas, but I really kind of loathed the idea of just putting myself in my office uh, away from my wife or my pets or or other people and working on these things. So what is a way that I can 
do the work I would like to do with some of my spare time, get more people interaction, and also maybe teach some people while I'm doing it. Twitch streaming it is. So yeah, it was just a way, honestly, for me as an extrovert who needed more interaction to feel healthy, to get a little bit more of that while still doing some of the work I wanted to do and helping people. It, it just really fits all those categories. That's awesome. You really inspired me to do the the same thing. Okay. I I was like, I was like, this is not for me because I am not I'm not <laughs> extroverted at all. Okay. And the idea of like having to be typing in like in front of people and even if it's nobody like honestly new nobody would be preferable to me um, <laughs> just just record yourself during the day and then post it later right, right totally but i have um i have watching your channel i was like you know what i i should do this like he looks like he's having fun i'm gonna give this thing a try and i swear i have never been so productive on mm. my side projects as yep. when i'm sitting there and that little green light staring at my face mm -hmm. and people are asking me questions it's like it forces you to focus in a way that you yep. don't usually absolutely you know uh, it forces you to focus for a few reasons like the time box you probably give yourself right yeah as opposed to like you have a side project and maybe something you're trying to do and you're like oh when it gets done it gets done but no <laughs> yeah. you say on the stream like today we're gonna get this done like First off, you've time boxed yourself. The second thing is like everyone's there rooting for you. Like they, yes. they really are. They're not rooting against you. They're rooting for you. They want you to solve the bugs that you run into. They want you to solve the problems and help them learn and feel more confident. What I really like about about it too is like and the and the thing the reason I call my Twitch stream more than you asked for is that so often someone will ask a question that's really deeper than they realize that they're asking. And that's the thing that like lights me up. Yeah. Um, you don't study philosophy and theology in school and not get lit up by a question that has deeper implications than really is evident on the surface. And so I'll sit there and I'll like, I'll unpack something for someone for like <laughs> 30 minutes or something, you know? And it's amazing because those are the moments that a lot of people end up like really resonating with. Why? Because I think developers, whether they're seasoned or not, you know, they kind of understand the gig of, I have a problem. I'm going to read documentation. I'm going to read the stack traces and stuff, and I'm going to work through it and I'm going to solve it. But, you know, realizing that people they look up to or, or people who are public like myself, uh, I'm not saying people look up to me, maybe they do, <laughs> but realizing they're just people too, I think that that helps people as well. Like, yes. you know, I, the other day I did a, a stream of converting my blog from WordPress to Gatsby and a lot of the Gatsby team joined. Uh, Kyle Matthews was in there. Jason Langstorff awesome. was in there. Chris Biscardi, who's worked on Gatsby forever, was in there and I ran into this bug and it took me 45 minutes and all it was, was literally basically an indentation error. I had put one parenthesis <laughs> in the wrong place because I didn't like realize where it was supposed to be. And yeah, and uh, but those 45 render prompts, minutes, man, they'll get you. Yeah. 45 <laughs> minutes on, on screen. And like the whole time I got to stay calm. I got to talk through my, yes. my thought process and, you know, respond to the chat and we got it. But those are kind of really great moments when you think about it because everyone gets to learn like, okay, how do I solve a problem that should work but isn't? Yeah. I think that's the bane of every developer's like experience is like, this should be working. Why isn't it? And you know, how do you do that? I don't know. It's very humanizing because mm -hmm. I think we see the the live coding in the talks 
where that person has been practicing that for months. Right. And we think that that's just how they code. Um, but it's so much more like the, okay, cool. I'm going to learn this thing today. And like you sit there and you just read through documentation for half an hour and then make some bugs yeah, and then finally fix it, you know, after like an hour and 15 minutes. No, it's, it's totally true. Uh, you know, I actually, the more I give talks, the less I give a lot of value to live coding. Um, mm. my buddy, Trevor Brindle, uh, kind of puts it best. And it's like, at that point, you're really just showing off your typing skills, <laughs> um, which is really, which is really great. It can be a way to guide, uh, someone through it, especially since that's what, that's the medium we all work in is code. Yeah. Like, um, but that being said, I think you really reduce what you can say or teach when all you do is, is live code there. And I'm not trying to knock that. There are some people who are great at it, but but I can get a lot more said by showing examples than I can by like walking you through yeah. uh, a thing. But on stream for me, like because I'm doing it kind of out of fun and joy and it also accomplishes these other goals, I don't go into it with like a plan. You know, I don't go into it knowing like, this is where I'm going to end up at the end of the day, or these are all the exact steps I need to do. I'm winging it. It's it's more like <laughs> your actual work, you know, like I do have a plan. I do have some things written down, but you know, I, you know, that day I did the Gatsby thing, like, like people literally saw me reading the docs, like you were saying, <laughs> and like just running into the things that people have probably been doing for years, but I hadn't done them yet, you know? And I think to some degree I'm teaching people how to learn, like, and that's yeah. probably a very important skill for anyone in their career. Learn how to learn, you know? That wraps up this half of our conversation with Kyle Shevlin. I do hope that you will meet us here again next week for the second part of this chat, where we talk about what it looks like to find your next great job when you are an established developer. Today's episode of React Podcast was lovingly produced and edited by Mikhail Delport at Spec FM. SpecFM is a network for helping designers and developers level up. If you like this show, visit spec.fm to find other shows that you might like. A huge thanks to our sponsor, Linode, who made this show possible. If you want to travel light with nothing more than an iPad Pro and a Linode cloud server, visit linode.com slash react today. That's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash react and get a $20 credit with the promo code react 2019. If you like this show and you found it helpful for your career, please help us spread the word by reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you catch your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be in your ears again next week. Mm-hmm.